0: welcome to podcast once again i forgot to hit record this time we caught it 20 minutes in today <laughs> today i'm talking with jane of virtual bird fame why don't you introduce yourself for the second time
1: hi i uh i write compose and sing for a band called virtual bird we've been playing uh, well now it's a full band we've got Dimitri on bass and uh, my friend Seaweed on drums. And we perform live, but I write all of the pieces for the albums and all of the singles that get released.
0: Don't let them so, take yeah. credit. I'm just kidding. Yeah, can't let them take credit. <laughs> so today we're here to talk about your most recent album, Jane's Dysphoria. Um, we've talked a little bit about how you are a three piece band now. I, I guess my first question for you before we get into that, this is something I forgot to say when we weren't recording before, is um, what is the like live show experience for you now that you have people on stage with you?
1: Oh, it's a lot more fun, I would say. Uh, I used to do a lot of solo shows. I've been doing solo shows for 10 years, give or take. And I, I just enjoy the ability to connect with people that are actually interested in like being a part of what I want to do. I, I yeah. Appreciate them endlessly. They are so cool to hang out with and make music with. I feel like
0: it's easier too to like, I, I feel like there's less pressure pressure than there would be in a, in a solo show. Oh yeah. Um, you can kind of trick yourself that like, Oh, I'm just playing music with my friends. Like the people I care about. I'm not playing yeah. a show right now <laughs> like pressure exactly
1: they have to hold they have to carry the the pressure with me it's a little to a yeah. little it lightens my load so to speak
0: I'm no longer atlas uh at my yeah show <laughs> exactly um so let's jump into it first thing first question for you what is the um overall uh gist or thesis of the album
1: so the album itself is inspired by me playing through silent hill 2 um loving the horror element of it and wanting to use a similar um horror element in a project of my own and so from that i i thought what would be the perfect subject for Fighting your own demons, so to speak, and I have uh, schizophrenia and I have dysphoria, and I I thought, well, those things
0: both combined, you know,
1: that would make a pretty nasty horror album, and here we are.
0: And I was right.
1: Cut the tape.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go, uh, into the first song of the album, "Waste Drones." This one is a kind of like a spoken word track. It's very uh, it's it's almost whispered. Uh, to the audience, uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about production first. Yeah.
1: So the production slide, I actually didn't mention this earlier. I I used um, similar synths and similar sound effects uh, from the game Silent Hill 2, or at least from Akira Yamioka, the game's composer uh similar sense that he used back then in the 90- era yeah 1990s like for the first silent hill and the second and the third and the fourth and i believe more than that he was a composer for them and he's he was inspired by um bands like oh man i'm going to butcher this what is that band oh no <laughs> there's so Tri- uh, trip hop the genre trip hop mm-hmm. so there's several different bands in that genre that he would listen to and that he enjoyed and he wasn't going for a horror album or a horror soundtrack he was just going for more trip hop
0: that is su- that is such a funny way to approach uh making a video game soundtrack for a horror oh, yeah. game. are you making a horror album nope all right nope <laughs> yeah
1: but when it came to the actual like level design and the sound effects and the levels themselves, uh, they were horrifying Yeah, sound effects. And I thought what could be a cool way to, and that could be interesting if I, if I combined it with music. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I, so uh, I did that.
0: Silent Hill two, is that the one where he had to sleep under his desk to make it because mm-hmm. he couldn't get enough, like they wouldn't give him a team of people. Yeah.
1: I mean, well, actually, so Silent Hill 1, the lead, the, the creator of Silent Hill, had to sleep under his desk um, to work on the videos, the cutscenes for the
0: game. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's crazy. They should have just, like, on w- one part of me is like, look at the passion. And the other part of me is like, what scumbag boss couldn't give yeah. him two more weeks? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I know. You couldn't just push your due date back 20 days. Let them knock out uh, the beginning of a franchise that now makes uh, what do you call them?
1: Pachinko machines.
0: Pachinko machines. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so this song was, as you said earlier, a setup to song two. Um, gonna this is this hopefully this is the last time I make you repeat yourself, but um, there's a bit of silence at the end of this first track. Well, not silence, but there's um, like a 10 to 15 second piece of almost dead air at the end of this track. Uh, Can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, so there actually wasn't to begin with. It was the producer I was working with left it in um, and it still has the effects that were on uh, the audio or the ambience in the background so there is still ambience happening you just have to turn it up to hear it and it's it's a way of messing with like I thought leaving it in would be a great way to mess with the listener's head and have them like think about what I had just said mm-hmm. and give them time to think about it and also it leads up to the second song and the second song is kind of a jump scare I thought I just, that I was really funny
0: scare. it scared me because I blasted my speakers to listen to the end of the first song and then Jamie Stewart comes in one hundred thousand percent louder than he ever needed to be <laughs> yeah um have you ever thought of um this is kind of off topic but um you ever heard of people making like ghost songs well they'll have like a minute of silence at the end of a song and then another one will play on the same file or listing hmm. and, um i don't i can't i know mike park did that some sometimes um yeah mike park's great
1: Mike, shout out Mike Park.
0: But I always think it's very interesting because it's kind of rewarding to people who are actually going to sit down and study. Because if you give a lot of people an eight minute song and then after minute three, it's silent for 45 seconds. They're going to go to the next one. And so it's a cool little reward for people who are actually looking through and digging through projects. I think it's neat. Um, But let's talk about... Track two, Your Body. This is featuring Jamie Stewart of Shushu, who you DM'd on Instagram and they were like, yeah.
1: Yeah, they were so down to work with me and it was so nice to talk to them. I actually ended up getting to hang out with Jamie after an AJJ show in uh, Seattle um, later that year after I had talked to them That's and nice. shown them the song and everything and they were really interested to hear what I had to say about
0: Working on it. Jamie's cool. Shout out Jamie as well. Two shout outs this episode. Keep track at home. Um, what's it like collaborating with other artists? Um, how involved are you in that process? Like for this song, like I imagine you wrote like the lyrics and stuff, but when they sent you a file back, how involved are you at that point?
1: So at that point. I go over it. I put I put the placement down, and then I um I, sh- I send it over to like for this project in particular. I sent it I sent it over to a producer, who um then took Jamie's vocals and then wrapped them around synths, essentially. So they they made they handmade some synths that um went it. it when you listen to the song with headphones, it sounds like the synths are surrounding every word
0: mm-hmm. that
1: Jamie is saying, and they are. It's intentional.
0: That explains that echo, or yeah. I, not. Echo is the wrong word, but there's a lot of weight around his lines in the song. That's awesome. Um, this this didn't happen, but this is something I asked um, Max Bornstein when he came on about when collaborating with people through like the email what do you do if someone sends you their piece of the song and it's not what you're looking for like what is your process to be like hey maybe this needs to be redone or like this and that need to be changed
1: so i usually always take first take um and i usually only work or collaborate with people that i that i um that i know can can um, deliver, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And it's not because it, like I I want, anybody who I collaborate with, I want them to have an authentic recording. You know, I want them to record exactly what they're going to record, and then I want to keep it, no matter how it sounds. Um, but what I do, um, before I ever collaborate with someone, before I ever do that, I, I do a vocal myself, or I do a piece of guitar myself and tell them to try and resemble it in some way.
0: Oh cool. So you give like uh, for this I guess it would be like vocal parameters like here's the vibe that you need to hit like here's the performance that I need. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I did I did a uh in 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 shorter terms I I did a really bad Jamie Stewart impression <laughs> in order to get that
0: that take. That is funny. Um so if you're working on a song and you go to lay vocals down and you don't get it first take, is that song dead?
1: Um, No, I usually upload it anyway.
0: Yeah. That's the beauty of the internet. I was thinking about this. My, uh, my partner asked me like, if podcasting didn't exist, what kind of, just like what kind of person would I be? Cause I'm like, I'm like a podcast guy. I look like it. I fit the vibe. I was like, oh, I'd probably be like a blog person, as which is, I think, worse. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about how awesome distribution is now when it comes to terms of convenience. I could not imagine having to, like, find someone to pay to press a single for me if I wanted someone to listen to it. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Um, I don't either. Yeah.
1: I'm lucky enough that people
0: really like what I do. Yeah. Um, and I think even like people who don't have an audience, I think the amount of people in Bandcamp alone with no listeners and nine albums, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. Because at that point, the cost is whatever you want it to, whatever the cost for you is, whatever you want to put into it. It's kind of the same for Camp Scouts. It's like, what is this worth? Well, what are we, what do we want to do with it? Because there's not enough weight to the stuff around us to worry about like I don't know consistence of quality is a bad term but that is what I mean <laughs> like if That's... I released three stinkers in a row like whatever which we're not gonna by the way but um, moving into so this song you've said um, Jamie Stewart represents your dysphoria and your voice at the end of the song saying I am whatever I say I am is your like 90s aesthetic horror I'm not afraid of you anymore moment yeah Is that conversation with yourself um, an an important one to put so early on the record?
1: Yeah, because that conversation I have with myself is a constant one, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: one that I don't always win. Um, So the purpose of that song, I suppose, is to show a connection to my schizophrenia and my dysphoria and how they combine and how I, um, and with schizophrenia, you kind of always have to talk to yourself to to maintain a level of sanity that, you know, a, a, a level of masking, I would say, mm-hmm. to the outside world. Um, and with that comes the dysphoria and I have to I have to have this voice in my head that I have to talk to and those lyrics or those um those words in the song are very similar to conversations I've had with myself and my uh
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um is it frustrating having to like is this something you have to explain to people often? Is that a frustrating process?
1: Um I I've become sort of jaded in a way, to where it's, uh, it doesn't really bother me anymore. Like, when I was a teenager, and I I first started getting my symptoms and first started experiencing, it was kind of hard to explain myself because I didn't exactly know what was going on. But over time, learning about myself and learning about my mental illness and learning about, you know, just all these little quirks, I, uh, I feel much more confident talking about it now. And so it's easier.
0: And I think that's in the first track on the album, to dip back for a second. I think um the like jaded attitude towards it is in the open uh opening monologue, which I think is really cool as like a thesis statement to the album. Um but that also leads us to track three, Agoraphobic Gender Identity, about um, as we said earlier, um losing that conversation on occasion can you speak to it
1: yeah so it's with um specifically the third song agoraphobic gender identity or uh, agoraphobic gender dysphoria i can never remember what i named that song um <laughs> it's it's basically me saying um i still have my issues i still have a hard time winning my battles um and that battle is constant, and it it leaves me isolating quite a lot, and it leaves me not wanting to um, experience the outside world, and it kind of makes me into an agoraphobe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to show you that I'm not that I'm not like this insanely powerful person. You know, I I, uh, I have moments of very often I have moments of weakness.
0: Uh, Do you think that you are perceived like you are perceived as someone who just like handles all their shit? Because you do like with folk punk audiences, people get very, very into the people that they listen to. Right. Yeah. I may have some more problems or like I uh, I am also struggling, but this person's talking about it because they've mastered it. They might as well be mentally healthy. Like they're just living life, you know? Mm,
1: Yeah, that's so it's there's a reason why I have so many sad songs <laughs> it's because I'm still sad <laughs> I'm not trying to
0: relate to you guys we're just both sad <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
1: and it yeah no there's definitely a lot of idolization that that comes with the folk punk thing um yeah you know I've had situations where people thought I was more than what I was and I've let them down or disappointed them in some way. That's not really like my fault,
0: right? Yeah, it's... like they meet you in person and you're just you're you're just some lady. You're just Jane. Like what? do they, yeah. what do they want you to be. Do they want you to be on all the time, singing just down the street.
1: Yeah, it's like I don't know. Uh, there was a person. Um, one of, one of my best fan interactions was there was a person that came to my show in seattle and they were like hey thank you for all you do and then gave me a hug and then walked off and i was like okay that's that's a nice one because they 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 can see in my eyes that i'm clearly fucked up and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and that i'm doing some sort of service mm-hmm. that helps them mitigate their own issues
0: and like, even if it didn't, and they just enjoyed the music, I think trying to see someone as not a person because you like the quality of their artwork, I think that's so weird. Yeah. I no, think I it agree. is a problem specific. in, in, in any time you have a fan base, it's a problem. But I think I see it the most in folk punk. Uh, and I think it's really weird.
1: Yeah. Huh? Like, but, for instance, uh, Pat the Bunny. Yeah. So
0: hiring completely and disappearing off the face of the internet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pat. I've known Pat for many years, and Pat is like just a dude. He's just a guy. He's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. That's probably why he's doing IT work now. But yeah, he's he's a just a normal old guy old guy. And some of the like conversations I have with folk punks about him are really just insane.
0: Do i saw there was this article like months ago and it was like I mean, this might have been two years ago and it was like analyzing the philosophy of pat's projects and the evolution of it and i was like i really think you should be doing a different artist because he specifically said to not do shit like this for this work <laughs> yeah. like let him be this is so weird his uh brother who was featured on the show um on your episode, when you came on, uh, did a Reddit post of like, hey, here's an update with my brother. Probably like last, uh, again, maybe last year. And all yeah. the comments were just like, is he coming back? Is he mad at people? Like, because he's not mad at you. He's just a person. And he's yeah. like, Jesus Christ. So he left. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but in this song, I think it's important to talk about that there's a line, my favorite line of the song is if I'm going to be perceived, let me be perceived by loved ones, which I think is very important. I personally have to remind myself that I have some sort of security in the people that I spend my time with. Um was that the purpose of adding this to this song? Yeah, I would say so.
1: Yeah. I constantly have to remind myself that I have people in my life that care about me and that They'll be there for me if I fall, you know.
0: Much like the friends theme. Um, (laughs) I think, uh, first of all, two things. One, we are officially at the new content part. Uh, We've made it to new territory where we are recording now. And two, I think for a lot of people, I think it's easy to forget that people care about you. Because, like, not that you always need spoken validation or whatever your love language is. I think a lot of people are headstrong, and a lot of people try to be individualistic and that can seep into your problems as well no matter what they are. Um even small stuff like um I've seen people do it at, like carrying something heavy. It's like, "Hey, do you need help with that heavy thing?" and they're like, "Nope, cuz I can handle it." It's like, "I didn't ask if you could." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a part of like everyday life that uh, I think everybody needs to remind themselves of but let's talk about caged woman track 4 i think oh no the next track i have some more stuff about so caged woman is another it's a little bit more spoken word it's very like 80s grunge inspired i think uh, can you speak yeah, to
1: that? i would i would say it's uh it's inspired by inspired by bauhaus Um, vocally. It's inspired by Bauhaus and Scott Walker, and my delivery was definitely, I was trying to go for an an 80s Mm. rock kind of vibe. Yeah. It's sort of like um, it's tied to the artwork for the Mm. album. And it's tied to this feeling of being, um, being unable to show my inside,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or represent my inside on my outside. Right. And I feel like a lot of people have that issue.
0: Um, this is almost the almost the middle of the album. I think. Um, what's interesting about what you said is it kind of goes from like the first three tracks in this album are very introspective. And so it's interesting to see uh, at least for this song and the next song, at least like the lens turn and face on other people who are, who can also be struggling with what you're describing. When, what like when people listen to caged woman and they resonate with it and they're like, Oh, like she's talking about me and what I'm going through. What do you want their takeaway to be?
1: I suppose um, it's the reasoning behind me making that and wanting to put that out there is uh, a lot of people feel lonely in that. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're the only one dealing with that. Um, it's supposed to just show people that they're not alone in their struggle, which is, the, which is reasoning behind a lot of my music. Yeah.
0: I think it's vindicating to find out that other people have been where you are in a way, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Um. This next song, I want to jump right into it. Cause I, I think we're going to talk about it for a little bit, Um, which is echo chamber party, which you sent to Curtis and I forever ago. You had this land, uh, you had this planned out. You've been making this album for a while. Um, yeah. If caged woman was to say to the people that are listening, like you're not alone, I I feel like echo chamber is to say you're not alone, but you should be paying attention. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about it. Um.
1: It's. I think... Yeah. So <laughs> the. Uh the that's that song question mark is a <laughs> it's it's meant to keep you from going into this um this headspace where you're comfortable or it this is not meant to be a comfortable album and that and if you were comfortable in the first bit of the of the album right now you're not you're not going to be that is the intention it doesn't matter who you are it's supposed to it's supposed to show you that there are people dying every day and people experiencing horrible like injustices i would say yeah and we need to continuously talk about it or else nothing's gonna happen
0: yeah and i like specifically like Well, I posted a black square on Instagram. I have the Ukraine flag in my Twitter bio, right? Like, I think um, that is what I think of when you, like, especially when you say, like, um, and if things aren't perfect, we can just argue about them until they are, or complain about them until they are, I think is what the line is. Um, Yeah. Or um, near the end, when it's like, it's very antagonistic, which I think is kind of awesome. When it's like, you wouldn't even change it if you could. Would you? Like, would you do that? Um, because I don't know I don't think people I don't think the average person especially people who are benefiting from the system people like me right just like white dudes like given the opportunity to change it like I don't know if many people sit and think would I actually do anything about it if I because that would mean I would stop being the only one to benefit from the system that's in place yeah have you gotten any messages from this song that's like hey fuck you (laughs) i can i vote (laughs) no matter who like
1: (laughs) i have not i have not yet gotten any complaints um i was expecting complaints for sure yeah i was expecting complaints from everyone because you know like like even trans people you know i was i was expecting even trans people to like some trans people to be upset by that song and it it ended up at like it just made sense to people who listen to it and i haven't gotten any complaints
0: yeah i think like even though it, it like i would describe it and i have described it as antagonistic i think it is clear that like a character is being played and an argument is being brought it, at least in my opinion like an argument is being brought to me i'm not a- like you're not actually telling people that they're not doing what they can you are showing it in a light that explains that i think that might be the reason why but I do yeah. think it's weird you haven't been you haven't been like called an idiot yet or something like your <laughs> your reply guys aren't going off.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but this song is the middle of the album, so this is where we would go into like the B side of it. Um, when sequencing the album, why did you want to put this right in the middle?
1: Um, like I said earlier, it's it's kind of a. It's a step into the next part it it, I would say, sets up the next song and. um, Every every song in this album is leading into the next until it's over. And so. That song is supposed to show you you uh, this is not going to be a comfortable listen, Mm -hmm. if you haven't figured that out already, here is your here is your chance to get off board if you are uncomfortable.
0: I can't imagine getting five tracks deep into this album and being like this is some pretty good alt rock music <laughs> 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 um but let's talk about track six let's talk about Sour Flesh what's the uh this song is still very 80s influence so it it, it meshes well from four to six um but uh I can see the connection from Sour Flesh to new skin track seven. Can you explain the connection between Echo Chamber Party and Sour Flesh?
1: Yeah. So in in Echo Chamber Party, um, there is a band playing in the Echo Chamber Party house. Mm And in in, in the background. And if you listen to what's being sung, it's uh, Sour Flesh, Uncomfortable Bodies.
0: Oh my god, I completely missed that. uh, That's awesome. (laughs) Was this one of the the Easter eggs in the album you wanted to do a podcast for so you could say it? That's awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. Also, the the term sour flesh was uh, coined by the creator of Silent Hill. Or no, no, it was was coined by Matsuhiro Ito, the art designer, the person who designed the monsters
0: is that referring to just like the way the the monsters like look?
1: Yeah, they want they wanted to emulate the idea of of soured fish.
0: Mm. Um well, let's talk about it. This is I I the most like full that grunge sound we, we keep talking about. This is it on like full display in yeah. the album. Um in a in a little bit, I, I I do think after this song that sound is really pulled back. Um was that an intentional decision?
1: Uh what do you mean by that?
0: Um, well, I think like like I would say like track like track seven and uh it's like very, very like angry. To me, it sounds like very 90s, early 2000s. Um, Like, just like yelling over like, just like fast tempo music. And then Empty Chest, the closer, is um, almost poppy in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I would say, I would say Lady Lamp keeps that, um, which is track nine, it keeps that same kind of more heavy rock lean with, like, an overlead guitar that's, like, really apparent through the, the song. Um Restless Dreams, I guess, we could say is still... I, I would say it's still very grungy, but I, I would say it is not as on display as in Sour Flesh in my read. However, I have an English degree. I missed the Echo Chamber Easter egg, and I am dumb, so please <laughs> yell at me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I,
1: I would say... um Sour Flesh is a combination of post-rock and post-punk influences Mm. so the drum uh, for Sour Flesh is all programmed um, similar to Joy Division songs um, similar to some Cure songs but I wanted it to also have a grunge um, a grungy post-rock kind of vibe to it so I had those programmed drums I had like the Joy Division-inspired bass lines, and then I I added the post-rock and grunge guitar and the vocals. Um,
0: Um, When you're pulling influences, do you pull specific songs? That's something that I see a lot of people do where they're like, "Oh, my song I want it to be a combination of like these three tracks, like specifically." So the people you're working with can pick up on the sound you're finding.
1: No, actually, so when I when I get influences, it's usually the overall feeling I get from a song,
2: mm-hmm.
1: less than the actual individual parts of the song. So I'm trying to aim for an emotional feeling. Mm-hmm. It's It so it that 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 allows me to be more original Mm -hmm. with what I'm creating because um I'm trying to match that feeling in ways, but I'm also um creating entirely new pieces of music,
0: right? Well, it's it's hard to like, I guess, if your goal is to fully emulate, I think it's hard to get people to listen to your music because they'll go, Oh, well, I'll just go listen to Joy Division. (laughs) <laughs> They're doing a Joy Division thing. Let me go listen to the band who did it first. Um, Or maybe, like, built a career off of it or whatever. Um, yeah. uh, track 7 is another one that I think we'll talk about for a while. Uh, if not, because it is, I think, the most manic and one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, I th- Is this song, like, another response to... Um like the Shushu track, like another response to your body, um of like like fuck the dysphoria, like I just need a new being to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's my reaction to the feeling I have. It mm-hmm. it's 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 a very common reaction. Uh wanting new skin, wanting a new body. Um One that doesn't have these issues um one that doesn't have asthma you know (laughs) like it it's it's a very um it's a very dysmorphic song i would say it's Mm -hmm. it it has to do with uh just not seeing yourself as other people see you or at least not seeing yourself in a good light
0: Mm -hmm. um how do you break out of that cycle? Like if you if you are only seeing yourself in that negative light.
1: Um, start really trying to listen to other people when they tell you that maybe you're just not your
0: type. <laughs> yeah. I think. um Also. I don't know about you, but like I'm not as critical to other people as I am myself when it comes yeah. to like stuff i deal with or like even my like physical appearance i am not as mean as i am to other people i think for me i have to give myself a lot of grace the same grace that you afford to like um random people at the supermarket wearing like two different shoes that, that you're like i don't care why yeah. does it matter if your shoes are ugly today then whatever um, yeah
1: yeah it, i think that's common for pretty much everybody um Except for you know narcissists or something, but like oh. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I certainly judge myself way harsher than I judge other people. Um, very have a lot of issues with insecurity, I would say, and so that has a lot to do with that song.
0: Uh putting putting that like these experiences into a ten-track album. Is that, is that process different than, um, like, releasing a single with the band? Like, sitting down to write this 10-track and taking the time that you you did to make it, was there, like, a, a larger emotional toll involved with this than your other works?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So... <sighs> i've i've never really made a concept album before like Mm -hmm. hate the government Love you my first album my first official album at least um it it was just a collection of songs Mm -hmm. whereas this is every song is connected and every song has to be like audibly connected to the listener you know like there's all these different easter eggs and clues i have to put in there to make such to make an experience that keeps your interest Mm -hmm. the entire time because it's all connected. You have to keep interest the entire way through. And so just that alone, don't even take into account the lyric portion, just the creation of the sound um, is extremely complex, hard work. And it took me a quite a long time to actually like get it to a point where I, uh, I was satisfied
0: with, uh and also with concept albums, there's a lot more pressure to make an overall point. Yeah. um You don't have to have a thesis statement on a collection of songs. Right. yeah I'm not saying you, I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying like in general, uh, I, I struggle with that going back into doing more interviews like this on this podcast. It's like, okay, well, like, how, like, am I making a point? Like, am I being intelligent for people understanding what's being said and discussed about? Um, Do you think, like, your takeaways are clear on the work that you've made?
1: I hope so.
0: This is how we're finding out. Every point I miss, you're like, that's another one. Didn't get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, it's... A lot of people have been telling me their feelings on the album um and a lot of people you know seem to get it and i'm really happy about that because that means i did i th- that the work wasn't for nothing you know Yeah, <laughs> it's i'm pretty satisfied i guess with how easy it is for people to understand
0: yeah and um i think that if there are people who are like completely missing the point. I think maybe there's a lack of like critical listening happening. Uh um, yeah. But let's go into Restless Dreams, which is song number 8. Um in my notes uh I have that this is the perfect spot for this song, like in the final block of 4 like right here at the end of the album almost. Um is this is this song title like a literal representation of the song?
1: Restless dreams. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say so. Uh, it's also a direct reference to Silent Hill.
0: Oh, I don't. Uh, is it from Silent Hill Two or is this a heavy rain? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> si-
1: Silent Hill Two. It's um. It's a direct quote. In my restless dreams, I see that town.
0: Oh, cool! I didn't know that. I only the only Silent Hill two game I played was the remaster where the fog is bad. So oh yeah, I don't remember much of it.
1: <laughs> you can get it on PC. It's, uh, I'm not uh, pay for it. <laughs> you should
0: definitely give that company your money. <laughs> There's
1: definitely not a, um, a easily findable free download on <laughs> a site that has something to do with uh, what is it? Uh, Abandonware
0: rhymes with Schmerich Shay you know? <laughs> uh, that is awesome. This song, to me at times feels almost desperate for a different situation. Is that uh the correct read?
1: Yeah, I would say so it's I... it is my desperation, like just as a song, I would say. Mm-hmm. um it's also it was my chance to fully nerd out and like put little references to silent hill and yeah let's talk
0: about them let's go through yeah sure
1: yeah i'll pull up my uh lyrics real quick um let's
0: see google docs
1: i put all my lyrics on google docs
0: hell yeah <laughs> If you're like me, when you're working on a project, you do one Google Doc, and so the longer the timeline into the project, the harder it is for your computer to open up said Google Doc. (laughs) Hold on, loading 800 pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So the lyrics in full are, do I look like an enemy? Do I look like I hurt? Are there thorns protruding when I decide to wear a skirt? Do I look like a lady or do I look like a drag? Your cigarettes fondly, fondle dreams you used to have. Soothe the uncomfortable, discomfort for complacence. In my restless dreams, I hear this song. In my darkest heart, I sing along. Patriarch of my unpleasant tongue that speaks in rhymes. Why is being who I am considered such a crime. Oh, to be biological. Oh, to be awake. Not worry about other's thoughts swarming in my brain. Ought to be more womanly. oh, to be a dreg. What do I need to do? What do I dismantle? Who do I beg? And <clears throat> I believe there is reference to uh, the phrase darkest heart. Um, and then there there is definitely uh, the th- the phrase patriarch of my unpleasant tongue that speaks in rhymes um, is basically, it's me saying there is a force in my brain that only allows me to think in rhymes, which is true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know if you knew that about me. But I, uh, when I go to write anything, it always rhymes. I don't know why. I think it's because I've been a musician for so long.
0: Is it always the same pattern? Are you do you write in like A B or does it reveal itself as you write?
1: It just reveals itself as I write and, and it's always in just different
0: ways. Mm-hmm.
1: It's strange. But um this song is essentially um it it is It's kind of hard to describe. It's supposed to be a town Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: you are trapped in.
0: Um, so like you said, this is this is the Silent Hill two song. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) Restless Dreams parentheses the Silent Hill song. (laughs) Um, is the line what was it? Um, I think it's is it useless drag? Is that a reference to Silent Hill?
1: I believe so. That gets in reference to, um, like, the way James um, sees this doppelganger of his wife, Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, it It's, I, I can't exactly remember what I was thinking, <laughs> like, when I was writing this song. There's a direct uh, connection between how I feel about myself in this song and how Maria feels about themselves in Silent Hill 2. Feeling almost fake, feeling like you're not um, real, I suppose.
2: Um,
1: And and in Silent Hill 2, Maria actually isn't real. She's just a figment of James' imagination.
0: Oh, yeah, this is something we forgot to do. Really quickly, if you have never played a Silent Hill game, um this might be some important context. As I understand it, Silent Hill is a place that if you are a person with a lot of like unanswered for like wrongdoings, uh you arrive at Silent Hill and it's just like a town that is set up to terrify you for the things that you've done wrong. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's it basically in Silent Hill 2 only. Is that the case? Oh. <laughs> so in Silent Hill 1, it's about a cult and it's about a dad trying to save his daughter from this cult town. In Silent Hill 3, you play as the daughter. But in Silent Hill 2, you play as an entirely different character, not connected with the rest of the series, essentially. And that's James Sunderland. And James Sunderland is... He is the town. He is the enemies. Everything is a part of him.
0: Um... And his
1: In and his brain. And it's it's him dealing with the fact that he killed his wife because he wanted to have sex with other women
0: um and with that framing in mind that is very similar framing to this album correct
1: yeah uh, instead of instead of there being
0: instead of killing your wife
1: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> instead of it representing my guilt or my wrongdoings it's more so representing my dysphoria and just my dysphoria is the monsters. It's it's this it's the monsters staring right at me, and this album is me like having some sort of battle with them, or running from them.
0: Yeah. Um. So let's move into Lady Lamp, track nine, the second to last track on the album. Um. This is the Freddie Fudd pucker feature. Yeah. Um, a line I like a lot in this song is there's blood on my nails from another man's lungs, I believe. Yep. Let's talk about it. Let's break it down.
1: Okay, so Lady Lamp is I would consider um, it to be one of my favorites on the album. It's essentially saying that doesn't matter what kind of woman you are cis trans etc um you're always going to have to pick up after the the shit storm that men leave you with <laughs> the uh the way men rely on women for too much i would say mm. sometimes and uh how that's a very cultural thing and it and it happens to trans women too you know and it's just my way of saying that and when when freddie fudbucker is playing an injured soldier it's a direct reference to um it, it to florence nightingale who would heal the wounds of soldiers um during the crimean war
2: mm-hmm
1: um and you know she had to heal the wounds of these soldiers and and my uh my role in this song is healing the wounds in the soldier's mind essentially
2: Mm -hmm.
1: dealing with the mental being the mental healer uh, in moments where you don't really want to be
0: yeah i think um it specifically in the framing of like having to clean up after a mint, being a mental healer is a huge job for women that I've seen. Um, lots of relationships and stuff where like one half of it is very loud and expressive about everything they're feeling, and then it's like, well, I don't care what they do, as long as it's like calm or whatever. I think that uh is very true. What was the thought process behind putting it near the end of the album?
1: So, it's, so the majority of the album is this internal dialogue myself, um, and just like there are other characters within Silent Hill experiencing different things, mm-hmm. I wanted to add a different character. Um a man who is trying to get help from me in some way, but um, the man becomes confused because he sees that the woman, me, needs more help than he does.
0: Is that an and experience that, that you've had?
1: Yeah, no I've, I've I've had you know, people ask me for help. When I was at my absolute worst. And, uh, you know, that's, that's happened to a lot of people I know, you know,
0: yeah.
1: Um, And that that's directly reflected in the line, lady with the lamp, what's your department? Are you bombarded with hands that you can't help? Lady with the lamp? Where has your heart went? Is it in medicine? It's clearly not with yourself.
0: Which also, what a weird thing to say, asking for help. Are you good though? Like, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. There's actually uh, there's more lyrics to it that I didn't end up putting in the um, song. Oh, uh, it was supposed to end with, um, "I pull these thoughts out of your head. I pass through the spaces that fill up with dread." Oh, the beauty. It's all I desire when I am fired from this miserable breath. Here comes the soldiers. They're missing their parts. It is my job to try and put them back together like a toy. These poor boys, I whisper what they can't see themselves and hope they hope that they recover.
0: So that speaks specifically to the caricature of the lady with a lamb. Uh, What made you cut it out?
1: I don't know. I just uh I felt like it was um evident I guess with the other lines there I I felt like it was unnecessary.
0: Yeah. I yeah, I think the points are across. I I that's something I struggle with with like writing and stuff is like over explaining my point. I I always want to give the benefit of the doubt to the person engaging with my work that they'll get it, you know. Yeah. Um the guitar i wanted to talk about a little bit in this song it's like very prevalent throughout it it's a very similar um like picking through the song um i think it sets like a really good vibe for the like three i think it's like three and a half minutes of the song oh just three minutes um when mixing it, was that and was that you were the producers that were like, let's get this above everything else, let's make this really apparent. That was me. Hell yeah.
1: Don't give them I, any uh, credit. <laughs> I um honestly a lot of this was me. Uh, the producer just added, you know, some effects mm-hmm. and mastered it, you know. Um, but I, I told them, you know, what to do with it. And at the end, I was doing the production because that producer stepped away. Oh, that sucks. And so that guitar is a reference to Silent Hill as well. So it's a reference to Akira Yamioka's uh, music because there are songs with that guitar, like very similar, like very fast-picked guitar.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: can't remember what that's called.
0: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You can say anything right now and I'll just be like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) It's called a left-handed hanging guitar. And I'd be like, all right. <laughs> um and wrath the final song on the album empty chest it's very angsty um but it does sound it does sound very distinct from the rest of the album in my opinion um was it written at the same time as the rest of James dysphoria uh
1: yeah um. So from the very beginning, I wanted to end the album with a pop song. And I wanted the song to be a love letter to my femininity. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what that song is. It's uh, it's saying without my femininity, I am nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, because it's such an important part of me and my life. And without it, I feel like I'd be missing something.
0: Yeah. Um so it's just to be super clear cuz I'm very stupid. Um the the lines like there's an emptiness in my chest that's referring to filling that with your feminine femininity.
1: Yeah. It's um like before I came out, before I realized mm-hmm. I was um I felt very empty inside. And mm after i expressed this feeling i had i felt a lot better i felt more full i guess
0: yeah i could yeah, i believe that um with the album done and out like the day it was released august 4th of this year um were like what were you expecting like were you expecting a response or uh like silence
1: i i'm I was expecting um a lot more people, I guess to enjoy it um but I haven't you know I haven't really advertised it that much uh, there was there was a bit of advertisement on fake four side when it was being delivered, but they're mainly a hip hop label, so people were um like, whoa, what is this <laughs> um when when they dropped it and dropped the music video and all that uh but i'm hoping as october crawls around you know like to the end uh a lot more people are going to be checking this out and uh giving it a fair listen
0: i think i think to a certain point it is up to the listener to share the work of the people that they enjoy that's a main tenet of like that's all we do on the show but like i don't know especially in like a diy scene i don't think you can just hope the next album comes out because the band's doing well. I don't think that's a luxury that um what like, normal people get. Like not rich people, we don't get to have that. Um True. Were like, but were you nervous at all to be? Because this is a very very personal album. Like, I know you've spoken a little bit about like on Twitter, like how it's weird that like a lot of pieces of your life through your last album, people are like resonating to and trauma dumping way were you worried about that with this album
1: yeah a little bit but uh I haven't gotten any of that so I'm pretty thankful
0: uh
1: I did get a I did get a message not gonna name any names but there was a person who um, told me that that album allowed them to understand the death of their wife mm. so they talked about how their uh, wife uh, committed suicide because uh, they had dealt with dysmorphia. And when they listened to my album, they uh, they had this sense of empathy and understanding that they didn't have before.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a really, really nice thing
0: to hear. Mm-hmm. Do you... Um, was your intention to... Educate people who do not have this experience with the album, like the person who messaged you, or was it like this is an album for people who know what this is about it, already?
1: It's both. It's mm. um, I was hoping the album would be informational, educational, um, but also offer a sense of um, relatability, on um, common ground, mm. Comf- like comfort in the fact that people know. Um, what you're dealing with and they know and they deal with it themselves.
0: I, um I appreciate you being so willing to talk about it. Uh, you know, obviously as mentioned earlier, like I am not an affected group in any way. Um, and I think, um, I think it speaks a lot to your character to be able to like, have to explain things that are obvious to people who relate to the situation relate to the album like explicitly 100% of the time um i think there is a huge like i think if if you were to be like no like this album is not for you this album is not for everybody that is completely fair um i think it speaks to your character that you're able that you are willing to explain it to people who are a little bit dumb in this situation like me And i think that's awesome of course um if you're open to talk about it i'd like to take about 10 minutes to talk about um, the I don't know why you wouldn't be able to talk about it I want to talk about the album art I don't know why that would be such a weird thing to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Um, the artist involved for the cover is Maddie G yeah Who did some work for Invader Zim and some other comics Um, what was it like finding someone to make the cover of the album
1: so um i've worked with maddie before on hate the government Love you they did the artwork for that album and all around i think maddie is just one of the best queer artists i have ever encountered like mm-hmm. i think maddie is just an incredible artist uh they 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 really rock um and they like maddie knew exactly what to do with mm-hmm. this artwork you know they uh they loved the idea they they were totally behind it when i asked them if they wanted to do some horror art which i I, honestly i had no idea if they were going to be interested in that kind of thing because i Mm -hmm. i hadn't seen any horror art from them before so i was like i'm just really interested to see what they would do with it so i i sent them a message and um paid paid them way more than they wanted me to and then (laughs) and then I got that really cool art from it. I actually have the artwork um, sitting up next to me now. It's it's a real painting.
0: When working with Maddie, do you tell them, like, do you give them a sketch, or did you say, like, I want to do horror, here's the concept, go nuts, please come back to me within time?
1: Uh, The second one, I definitely just kind of go, here's here's like a loose idea, Um, I want it to kind of resemble this. Uh, go nuts you know do do whatever you're gonna do that's like a completely original piece of artwork that's incredible it stands on its own um, I would say
0: mm-hmm. is that why um, there's no text on the cover of the album is that why yeah 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 I agree I think I think if you were to put like change Dysphoria" for you by virtual verb over it it would kind of fuck it up uh, yeah 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 um that's also makes for
1: a killer cassette tape like look. That
0: you can buy. I have it in the background right here.
1: Yeah, nice. Think I just person. got a box of um another okay. day. So
0: you gonna try to sell them uh in person?
1: Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to sell some at some shows. Hopefully I can do some shows soon and do that.
0: Hell yeah. What are your uh what are your plans for the rest of the year? Do you think uh by twenty twenty three you'll be or before twenty twenty three you'll play again or so,
1: yeah, I uh, I have a I have a show at a park in Olympia pretty soon. Um, but besides that, I only have a couple shows listed uh, for the foreseeable future because I am dealing with a financial uh, burden at the moment. So I I would say 2023 would be a good year to come back and try and do all this again.
0: Yeah. Um... If, if you're okay with talking about stepping away from music for a while, I'd love to talk about it with you. Um, you know, you tweeted, like, I need to step away from music to work on, like, my financial situation. Um, I think, in a way, like, it is good to hear, like, because when I read that tweet, a big part of what I see is, like, I need to stop doing this so I can make sure that I have, like, food on the table and a roof over my head, which I think is a good thing to focus on. I think it is nice yeah. to see priorities being lined up in the way they should. I think the idea of a starving artist is fucking stupid in any yeah. way. of In any way, in any medium, I think it's dumb. Like we were talking about with the guy who made Simon Hill. Uh, it's yeah. just not a good. Or the guy who made the video for Simon Hill. It's not a good idea. Um, yeah. But like at that same time, it, it has to be frustrating to say all right, like Virtual Bird is now a back burner project, and I'm gonna go work wherever I can.
1: Yeah, no, it it's certainly quite the burn. Mm. Um, essentially, what had happened was I didn't, I just didn't get my social security check mm-hmm. this month, and so I called them, and I'm like, "What the hell?" And they said, uh, "We think you are capable of working, so we have shut you off." From Social Security, your EBT, and your health insurance. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. Uh, why? And they're like, <laughs> no given reason. I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The government hates disabled people. And I am uh, lost and completely fucked, essentially, thanks to the government. Those yeah. guys rock. Shout out. Shut up the government. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. But I, I think like, I think people may see you saying like, "I'm retiring for like, I'm retiring for music. I, I, I need to like m- get paid." I think people may see that as like, "I'm quitting music. Like, I'm quitting what I like to do." Um, and I don't think that is the case whenever people say something like that like I work a call center I work at a call center you know what I mean like I yeah. think I think it no is... I'm
1: planning on uh, releasing a video that goes a little bit more into detail on like my future plans with the project and like uh, how I'm going to work alongside it
0: oh yeah um, plug youtube.com slash virtual bird official I think so yeah I'll never tell I'm just kidding it'll be below <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh yeah, I'm I'm going to try and do music again at some point when I have a foundation that I'm comfortable with.
0: Yeah, which is way more important than making art for folk punk redditors. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Um, that's uh, another reason. You know, that's why Curtis has been taking a hiatus. Like more important things come up, and those need to be treated first. Um, yeah, absolutely. But where can we find you on the internet?
1: You can find me at uh, virtualbird.bandcamp.com and you can find me on Twitter at a little at sign. Um,
0: (laughs) Definitely not filling time while I look up my Twitter account.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, At Jane Virtual Bird or just type Virtual Bird into your Twitter. I'm probably the only one. I have never met anything else that has that name except some weird VR company that seemingly doesn't even exist. So <laughs> rest in I'm peace sure you'll find me.
0: Your yeah. old username, M-, M. Siren Fork.
1: Yeah, rest in peace to M. Siren Fork. I, uh, in I figured it'd be a little easier to find me with, uh, you with the You felt the, the clutches of one. SEO.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Once again, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at JWFreeman underscore. You can follow the show at Camp Scouts Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can sign up for our monthly newsletter, which will be out two weeks from today. Uh, Down below, it's a MailChimp thing. It's just first of every month. I send you some songs that I like and maybe some podcasts too. Um, Next week on the 26th, we are doing another horror album interview with Aaron Orpeza. So check back in next week for that. And then that'll be actually, actually, yeah, we'll, we'll we're we are still on track to do our regular bi-weekly schedule. So on the 2nd of November, you will get another Camp Scouts episode, but this one's normal. So stick around for that. No more scares. Um, Yeah. Jane, thank you again for hanging out on the show, dealing with, like 90 different tech issues I had at the beginning. Me forgetting to hit record. And just hanging out. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, always a pleasure. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.